0: Thank you, ladies. That's such a blessing. I love that song. There's so much doctrine in the words of that song, and I hope you appreciate that. Let's stand and take our Bibles this morning, please, and go with me to the little book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5. And as we do always, uh, members, look around you. We have members. Uh, we have guests and Folks here that aren't familiar with the Bible, don't have a Bible, share your Bible with them and help them find their place. I get asked frequently, especially the beginning of a year, where is a good starting point to read the Bible, especially if you're not familiar with it? And this little book we're at this morning will be very much helpful to you. And I hope on and off through this year I'll be preaching some messages out of here that will help us. And this will help you to grow in the faith. First John, the little book of First John. I had a preacher friend of mine, his, his name was John, and some of you know John Wilkerson he was telling us at a marriage couples retreat that he preached at he said i was thinking brother fong about uh about my sons because he had like seven sons before he had a daughter uh was born he thought i i, I think i was gonna name them all son all john he thought he said but i think about i thought about well that wouldn't be very good if i have seven sons I have first john second john third john you know and so forth there so but uh today when you think about first john we're not talking about the gospel of john we're talking about the little epistle of john and john wrote this when he was probably about 90 years of age and he had um Some battle scars on him and things like that. But, uh, he writes this out of heart of love. And I don't know about you, but I, I need someone to love me every now and then. Amen? And uh, we need, we need the Lord just to love on us and encourage us a little bit there. And you're going to find a word of encouragement here from 1st John. Now, while I'm there, sometimes I get asked this question. They said, what is, is Sunday night a a, 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 a different service I could go to? Yes and no. Uh, Sunday night service is 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 a is a second service we have during the day, but it's a totally different service, and we encourage all of our folks to come back because Sunday night is growing time. It's a great opportunity to grow, and we get a little bit further into the Word. And I have a, I have a message tonight. I'm very excited about the Lord um, gave me a thought on something that I got kind of dug into uh, about a few months ago. And I didn't have occasion because the holidays are getting into that or just really November to start to have a chance to get into it. But it's from John chapter seven, where Jesus, on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, he made this statement. He says, he that believeth on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And do you many of you who know your Bible are familiar with that, but probably don't understand the context in which Jesus spoke that at. And I I really want you to come tonight because it's a very exciting passage of Scripture And I'll do the best I can to try to just... Uh, bring it alive by, with God's help. But uh, you you come tonight. It's a very exciting passage of Scripture. And you'll understand John 7 much better after you, you get into it with me tonight. And you'll see some things that will help your Christian faith, especially as we get look forward to next week for the 19th Anniversary Church. Now, next week, put on your calendar Sunday morning and Sunday night. I've got Brother Jeff Copes coming to preach for us. Brother Copes is a preacher, and he is the executive vice president of Heartland Baptist Bible College. And he's been there probably for 18 years now. And Brother Copes pastored successfully many years before that and just loves people. He has the same passion. You cannot get Brother Copes at the pulpit to preach without seeing tears come to his eyes as he just loves people. And he's a good friend of ours, and I'm looking forward to him preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night. And especially Sunday night, we have some things uh, that we're going to be doing Sunday night that will just encourage your heart leading up to the preaching, some things part of the service that will encourage you. And I don't want you to miss that. It'll, it'll, it'll electrify the service, and you'll be a part of that. And I have told the staff a little about what the Lord laid on my heart, and they're, just, they're excited about it, and I'm excited about it, and we believe you will be too, and uh, we just can't tell you any more than that, but you've got to come and just be a part of that. We normally have a banquet, but with the construction going on and the fact we want to celebrate the uh, the opening of the new building, we're going to defer any kind of banquets until such time. And so, after the evening service, like Sunday night, we'll have kind of a small reception afterwards, similar to like we did with the Christmas musical. I want you to stay for that, make some friends, and come and be a part of that. But Sunday night's a great time to make some friends. It's a great time to fellowship. It's a great time just to let the Lord work in your heart and just to kind of realize that you know Monday morning's coming, and I want to be ready to meet the meet the week head on. And I know the Lord will help us with that. So that's what said. Let's get First John five, and uh, I might ask you read some scripture with me out loud, but follow me as we read today. Verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world... And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Read verse 5 together with me out loud. Let's read all together, please. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Would you read that aloud with me, please? And if you have a different uh, in a different language, reading your language, fine. But who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? I want to preach a message this morning entitled, Winners, Not Losers. We're on the winning side. We're on God's winning side. The word victory in the Bible is the word Nikos, where we get our word Nike from. And I want you to notice this morning, he talks about this matter of overcoming and this matter that we've already overcome. And I want you to understand this morning that when you start the Christian life, The Christian faith is one of overcoming. It's conquering mountains. It's swimming across Great rivers is watching God unveil and do great things for you. I want you to see this morning what faith will do, what believing on Jesus Christ can do for your life this morning. Now, today, Lord, we are on a little bit of a time schedule. And you help me this morning not to wear the people out, but to encourage them in the in the word. We thank you that the Bible is not a man's words. We thank you that it's the it's the holy word of God. It's a sharp two edged sword. Lord, it is, it is manna in the morning. It is honey to our soul. Lord, it is, it is a fire in our heart and a hammer that breaks away at our soul. And today, Lord, we need to hear from you. We need a word of encouragement. We need understanding. We pray that the Holy Spirit would descend on this service and speak to each of our individual hearts so that, Lord, we are transformed and changed today. Thank you for the matter of believing, and we pray you'll help us to get get an understanding about that. We pray for blessing on this service. We pray for those without Christ to trust Him as Savior. We pray for those who need to take that next step of obedience to feel compelled of the Lord to do that. And we'll thank you for this this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people say... Amen. You may be seated. You know, our San Francisco Bay Area, for many things, is a very beautiful area for tourism. But uh, one of the things our San Francisco Bay Area is well known for is our professional sports team. And uh, you know, we've had the Oakland Athletics, who have, who have uh, claimed several world championships, and our San Francisco Giants, who have claimed some world championships. And we've had the Oakland Raiders in the past who've had some uh, great championships and both some great players. And, of course, they recently signed John Gruden back as coach. And that's going to be kind of awesome to see what's going on there. And I'm just kind of excited. Derek Carr is their quarterback. And great, great testimony that Derek Carr has a Christian. And you pray maybe one day we might even come here to give a testimony. Amen. And I'm very thankful that our San Francisco 49ers for years had a great winning team. And then, of course, down in the San Jose area, we have the San Jose Sharks. But right now where we sit, probably the team, most people now, now don't boo if I say this, okay But the team that most of you probably most people are excited about are the golden state warriors And uh, you know, you think about the warriors. I mean, I, I the last champion. And you said boo i'm gonna preach about you today, amen <laughs> Now the golden state warriors I remember back in 1976 when they won that championship the last time rick berry played How many remember rick berry? How many remember rick berry? Okay, if you don't know rick berry, you don't know u.s history Amen, okay, uh, <laughs> Uh, you, you need to go back to school, okay? Now, Rick Berry was a, was an all-star player for the Warriors. That was the last time they run it. And then they went years without winning. I'll be honest with you. I was like, most people said, man, let's get the Warriors out and get a new team. It's like, you know, they're not making it. And then all of a sudden, they come alive around uh, 2014 or so. And th- those of you who know, know the last couple of years, they've been, a, they've been an incredible team. And Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and now the addition of Kevin Durant. Of course, the whole team has done a phenomenal job there. But in 2015, they surprised the world and took the NBA championship. And then 2015, 2016, they started the season without Steve Kerr as coach and won 24 consecutive games. And then they went on that year to have the best winning record ever of any of any uh, basketball team. They actually surpassed, you know, the Michael Jordan era and the, the Chicago Bulls by having a 73 to nine uh, win loss record. And then, of course, last year, they, they they took they took charge of the Cavaliers and whipped them bad. Okay, say amen to that. Amen. They whipped the Cavaliers and took the NBA championship for a second time and and, uh, you know, they're having a little rough start this year. I think some of it, the teams are playing a little bit better and the Warriors have had some injuries. And, and barring injuries, they were, you know, we're hoping, or maybe we'll even pray that they'll win a third championship. Amen. You know, and uh, but we're just you know we're thankful that we have a, we have a winning team there. And uh, you mentioned the Golden State Warriors and winning and victory comes to our minds. And we like the idea of having a winning team. Our pastor this morning is about being a winner in Jesus Christ. The moment you got saved, you became a winner. We're looking at a very exciting passage of Scripture written by a man who went through some tough times. The occasion when the Apostle John wrote this, leading up to that. Because of his strong faith in Jesus Christ, the Roman government took him and exiled him on the island of Patmos. That was a prisoner's island. That was a convict's island. It's kind of like what Alcatraz Island was to our San Francisco Bay Area for many years in the past. They took him and... They got this large cauldron, this large pond, and filled with oil. And they said, well, we're not going to kill you like we killed your friends. We're going to throw you in this pot of oil and boil you to death. And amazingly, miraculously, he survived being boiled in that pot. Of course, he carried the scars of it. His skin was just, you know, had all these burns and bubbled up and disformed. But that didn't change his spirit. The Apostle John is God who's worked his heart. The Lord laid in his heart because he became in later years a, a pastor for a period of time of the church at Ephesus. And he's writing here to address some issues at the church at Ephesus. And part of the issues he's addressing there were people that were just discouraged in their faith and had gone backwards in their ways and had forgotten about who the person of Jesus Christ is. And you see, my, my friend, this morning, everything in life, as far as a Christians concerned and non-Christian is concerned, everything revolves around the person of Jesus Christ. You must either receive him or you are rejecting him. You either believe in him or you do not believe in him. And so John writes to us about being winners and not losers. Last year, we unveiled the theme for 2018, we basically summarized everything that Caleb said in Numbers 13, 31, where he said, we are well able to possess the land. He basically said, I believe. And our motto, our theme as a Christian finding from the scriptures is to say, I believe in what God's word says. This morning, I had the privilege to be on rotation to teach our combined adult Bible classes at 915. And we we're talking about an incident involving the apostle Peter. And he gave the Lord a little bit pushback. He wasn't really happy what the Lord was asking him to Say and later on with Peter just acknowledges, Lord, I messed up, I should have listened to you. But Peter, when he gave the Lord the pushback, basically said, I don't believe at that time, but when the Lord showed him what he was able to do, he said, I believe. You know, to believe is to have faith, to believe is to have a complete trust, to believe is to have a complete confidence in. And two thousand years ago the Holy Spirit led the agent apostle John to write about the importance of believing. Go through the Gospel of John and 85 times the word believe or believing is used. Go through little, the little book of First John and over a dozen times the word believing or belief is used. Listen, believing is important. What you believe in and who you believe in determines who you're going to be and where you're going to spend eternity. The Apostle Paul, as we saw last week, said, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And so this morning, we want to see the importance of believing with winning. We want to be encouraged this morning by being winners and not losers. What you notice in verses 1 to 5, three principles, three thoughts that Peter give, John gives us about this matter of believing. First of all, believing is a vital trust. Believing is a vital trust. Verse 1 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You see, in verse 1, John makes a foundational statement. Whosoever means anybody. Whosoever means everybody. It's not restricted. It is not limited. It's for everybody. Amen? Whosoever believeth in Him is born of God. He's giving us some very wonderful foundational statements. So we must ask the question... What does it mean to believe that Jesus is the Christ? Well, notice this, if you would. Believing is an essential requirement. It is a requirement in order to be saved. It is a requirement to go to heaven. It is a requirement to have your sins forgiven. It is a requirement to become a son of God. To believe, as I said earlier, is to have faith in something or someone. To believe is to put your trust in To believe is to have complete confidence and commitment in who or what you believe in. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, the Apostle Paul makes an important statement about defining for us what faith is. Because faith and believing are one and the same. We would say that the words are synonymous with each other. And he said in Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And John was saying, Paul was saying this, without faith, we cannot please God. Without faith, we do not meet God's expectations. You see, faith is a requirement to be saved. It is an essential requirement. It is a non-negotiable requirement. You must believe that Jesus is the Christ. You must believe that He died for your sins. You must believe that He's the only way to heaven. Christ proclaimed in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me i'm thankful jesus said he was the way i'm thankful this morning the church is not the way but jesus is the way i'm thankful this morning a human man is not the way but jesus christ is the way i'm glad this morning with all the confusion that exists in the world that jesus could emphatically proclaim that he is the truth all of us are people that want to know the truth. All of us are people that don't want to be lied to or misrepresented or defrauded. We want to know the truth. And I declare to you this morning as we go through this message and read what John has to say in 1 John, that Jesus Christ is not just a way. He is the truth. He is the truth for every man. Listen, this morning, there's a lot of lies in the world, but I'm thankful Jesus Christ is the truth. He never lies to you. The Bible tells us that there are two immutable things about God. One of them is that God never lies. Jesus Christ. Christ is the truth. And so notice this morning, what are those essential requirements? Well, in order to be a winner, we must believe in his deity. The deity of Christ speaks about the fact that he is God. Listen, when he came to earth, became a man, he was always God. He was 100% man, yes, just like you and me. He had blood that flowed through his veins. He had skin like you and I. He had hair like you and I. He had two eyes like you and I. He had five hands, five fingers on his left and five fingers on his right. He had two feet with five toes on his right foot, five toes on his left foot. But I want to tell you this morning, he was a man just like you and me. He was a man in every way. And yet, with that, he was also 100% God. He was God incarnate. He was God as a man who was perfect God, perfect man. He is not a God with a little G. He is God with a capital G. He was not becoming God. He is always God. He was not God who was born. He is God who always is. He was God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. He was God manifest in flesh. Notice in 1 John chapter 4 verse 2. As John talks about the deity of Christ. That he was perfect God and perfect man. He says hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. I'm thankful this morning that brother Thomas and brother Christopher stood unashamedly before before the congregation of Heritage Baptist Church and proclaiming, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And listen, I tell you this morning, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Every spirit, in, he says here, every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. In other words, it's proclaiming Christ came to earth. He came, He was God, who took on the form of a man and being likeness with man. And yet without sin, He became just like us. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Notice in First John chapter 4, verse 15, what John said about Jesus being the Son of God. He said in chapter 4, verse 15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him and He in God. Brother and sister in Christ and friend here today, if you can unashamedly and unapologetically proclaim Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He is God who has come in the flesh, I declare to you this morning, the Bible says in verse 15, God dwells in you. But if you cannot say, that God does not dwell in you, He is not part of you, and He's not in you. I remind you this morning that God extends a great invitation to all who will come to Him. He gives the word, whosoever. He extends an invitation that you come to Him and receive Him as Savior. And test whatever you believe in to the person of Jesus Christ. Make yourself a T-chart, and on one side you list out I uh, list out all the things Of whatever you think you believe in, and ne- next to that, what does it say about Jesus? And I want to tell you this morning, Jesus Christ is the Eternal God, and I want to tell you this morning. Jesus Christ is infinite God and I want to tell you this morning Jesus Christ is Almighty God and I want to tell you this morning Jesus Christ is a holy God and I want to tell you this morning Jesus Christ is a compassionate God and I want to tell you this morning Jesus Christ is God who died on the cross for every sinner and I want to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is God who rose again from the dead you see this morning you put every religious leader next to Jesus Christ and every religious leader fails because their bones and their DNA is still in the grave where they were buried but you take the purse of Jesus Christ Christ, and go back to that tomb there in jerusalem where his body was buried and i'm going to declare to you this morning there is no evidence that jesus is there and there is no dna that was there and he came right out of the grave clothes because he's alive and he lives forevermore this morning I declare to you this morning what our early church fathers, great church fathers, had to say about the Lord Jesus Christ. Polycarp, who was a disciple of the Apostle John, wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. And he said to the Philippian believers there this following, Now may the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the eternal high priest himself, notice, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, build you up in faith and truth, and to us with you and to all those under heaven who will yet believe in our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, and in the Father who raised Him from the dead. You see my friend this morning. Even the early church fathers believe Without any question or their mind. That Jesus Christ was God incarnate. Clement of Alexandria around 8200 wrote this. This word then. The Christ. The cause of both our being at first. For He was in God. And of our well being. This very word has now appeared as man. He alone, being both, both God and man, the author of all blessings to us, by whom we, being taught to live well, are set on our way to life eternal. The word, speaking of Jesus Christ, who in the beginning bestowed on us life as creator when he formed us, taught us to live well when he appeared as our teacher. That as God, he might afterwards conduct us to the life which never ends. I'm thankful this morning, though human man might see Jesus as a teacher, he was more than just a teacher. He was God teaching the word of God. He was the living word. They might see him as rabbi, but he was more than just a rabbi. He is God almighty. He was God who is righteous. He's the Lord God who is righteous this morning. We must believe in his deity. But notice we must believe also in his death. We must believe that Christ died for every sinner. We must believe this morning that Jesus died for every sin. We must believe that Christ shed his blood and died for our sins. Listen this morning, whatever you believe in, did your God die for you? Did your God, did your God bleed his blood for you? Did he satisfy the righteous demands of God for you? I'm saying to you this morning, Jesus satisfied All of the just demands of God when he died for your sins and mine. We must believe in the death of Christ that he satisfied that. Notice in first John chapter two, verse two, how Paul, how John testifies to that. And he wrote in first John two, two, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And then go over to chapter four again and notice in verses nine and ten what he said there. He said, and this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that so we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Hey, listen friend, this morning we don't use the word propitiation much in our English language but back in the day when the, when the Bible was translated from the, from the, from the, uh, the, the Greek in, over here into, the, into English, our old English, the word propitiation was a very important legal term because there was much that happened during the legal world of that time. And it was a legal term that basically meant a just magistrate as a criminal stood before him, that the just magistrate could determine the fate of that man. Either he was condemned or he'd be set free. And the word propitiation means that someone made an appeal on behalf of that criminal. And making that appeal for him, that basically the judge evaluated what the appeal, that a payment price was made on behalf of that criminal. The payment price was satisfied completely by whoever made it. And because of that, that that man was set free. And he said this, that the just demands of the magistrate was met. Do you understand something This morning... The word sin defines who we are. Sin says we've gone our way instead of going God's way. Sin defines that we are unrighteous. The Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I've studied world religions. Every world religion declares that men are sinners, that innately there's evil within us, that when we want to do good, evil is always with us. And the Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that there's none that are righteous. No, not one. But there there's one righteous other than you and me and that righteous one was Jesus Christ the Lord of glory and Jesus came the sinless son of God and he said I will take your place sir and I will take your place ma'am and I will be the supreme perfect substitute on your behalf and I will sacrifice my life one time on behalf of sins of all the world And 2000 years ago Jesus Christ came to earth as a sin and became a sinless man and had a sinless life and the day came when he would offer his body his hour came as John would say when he offered his life as a payment price for every sinner And I want to tell you this morning Every single sin Jesus Christ paid for He paid the sin debt for every liar He paid the sin debt for every thief He paid the sin debt for every adulterer He paid the sin debt for every idolater He paid the sin debt for every murderer He paid the sin debt for every rapist You say, Pastor Fong, that sounds horrible that That he would justify that Yes, because God loves us Because God loved us before we could love Him Here in His love, not that we love God But that he loved us my friend if nothing else brings you to jesus christ This should bring you to him the fact that god loves you even though you don't love him That God loves you in spite of who you are and what you've done. He knows more about your past. He knows more about your secrets. He knows more about your failures than anybody ever will. He knows what you've done. He knows what you haven't done. And I want to tell you this morning, we have a God in heaven who loves us so much. He doesn't want any person in this room to die and spend all of eternity in hell. He wants everyone in this room to be saved and spend all of eternity in heaven. He wants you to know the glories of heaven. A place where there's no more sin. A place where there's no more death. A place where there's no more A place where there's no more cancer, a place where there's no more doctors, and praise God, a place where there's no more lawyers. Amen. And we thank God today that we have a we have a Savior in heaven who loves us and gave His life for us and died for your sins and mine. Listen, He was the just died for the unjust. You understand something this morning? All of the punishment we deserve as sinners was placed on Jesus Christ. Listen, can you imagine the excruciating the excruciating pain when the nails pierced His hands and the nails pierced His feet and the spear was thrust at His side? Can you imagine the railing upon the blessed Son of God as they called Him all the filthy names you could think of? Can you imagine as they stripped Him just down to His loincloth and there He hung suspended between heaven and earth in shamefulness, naked as they would. The Son of God stripped naked before all of human man and He died for your sins and mine. And listen, He looked down upon all of us. And he, said, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he, he said, God, please help them. And you notice this morning that as Jesus died on the cross, the very last thing He suffered from his words, his mouth was, it is finished. And he was saying there, the sin debt was paid for in full. It was paid for in full. Listen, the greatest thing that happens for every one of us is when you get to that last payment for your car payment, or that last payment for your mortgage. There's no more payments to be made. The payment is paid in full. They send you back your deed of trust. They send you back your pink stuff. You own it entirely. Listen, this morning, you don't have a life until you get eternal life. And you don't have a life until you know Jesus Christ, that he loved you and gave his life for you. I'm just saying this morning, we must believe that christ died for every sinner he died for me and he died for you and he took your place he took my place he died for every sinner here today and he wants you to go to heaven because he met and satisfied all the just demands of god the father matthew henry the great commentator said this come and see the victories of the cross Christ's wounds are thy healings, his agonies, thy reposts, his conflicts, thy conquests, his groans, thy songs, his pains, thine ease, his shame, thy glory, his death, thy life, his sufferings, thy salvation. No wonder the Apostle Paul, in spite of his back being all torn to shreds just moments before and being put through ridicule and shame, he would say in Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shall be saved. I'm saying this morning, believing in Jesus Christ is a vital trust. You must believe that he's God You must believe that he died for your sins So that you can go to heaven And then notice if you would Not just the essential requirement But very quickly notice in this vital trust There's the extraordinary result Well I believe But I want to tell you There's an incredible result most powerful thing happens for us. Notice in verse 1, he says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You know what the result is? When you believe, you're born into the family of God. Praise the Lord. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the King. Amen. I mean, you're born into the family of God. A transformation is made. You've been passed from death to life. You're no longer a child of the devil. You're now a child of God. You're no longer a child of darkness. You're now a child of light. You're not under the penalty of condemnation. Listen, you are free. Being, the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, that when we're in Jesus Christ, that there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. The penalty of sin is no longer on us. You see, this morning, being born of God is called the new birth in the Bible. John 3, 3, the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, accept. A man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Notice that word except unless you believe on Christ and you cannot be born into the family of God. Unless you believe on Christ, you cannot enter to the kingdom of heaven. Christ is the way. Christ is the only way. Christ is the loving way. God, Christ is the way where sin debt has been paid for in full. Being born again is a spiritual birth of ourselves. You and I are dead in trespasses and sin. That's one of those two young men got baptized this morning. Going to the water is symbolic of the fact that we were dead in sins and trespasses. You know what? Dead man can't save himself. Dead man can't help himself But listen When you heard the gospel Of Jesus Christ Listen When you believed on Jesus Christ When you were in the water You were once dead In trespass and sins When you believe on Jesus Christ You're raised in the newness Of life with him You have that newness Of life with him You are alive in Jesus Christ You are a new person In Jesus Christ No wonder John Would write about that In John chapter 1 verse 12 When he would say this But as many as received him To them gave he power To become the sons of God Even to them That believe on his name Listen It's not difficult It's not hard All you can All you must do is believe today that Christ is the Son of God and believe today that Jesus died for sin, and believe that today that heaven could be your home and today could be your spiritual birthday in Jesus Christ. Believing is receiving. We notice this morning that to believe is a vital trust. But notice in verses 2 and 3 a second thing very quickly. Believing is a vital trust. But notice secondly, believing is a visible transformation. God doesn't change us on the outside first and then on the inside. He changes us on the inside and that should be reflected on the outside. Amen. Now, I'm thankful for social works that try to help people on the outside. But I've watched over the years, all the social services and things that go about giving them clothes, giving them food, all these things. And and, and those are noble things and good things. But I noticed that it did very little to change the inside of the person. But I've watched over the years as we change the inside of the person, there's an outward change that happens there, too. You see, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Listen to the thought I'm going to give you this morning. Winners are always differentiated from losers by their performance, their habits and their goals. Winners are always differentiated from losers, from their habits, their performance and their goals. Winners go the extra mile. Winners get up earlier and practice. Winners adopt a disciplined strategy. And so this morning, we must understand today that as a winner, as a believer in Jesus Christ, there should be depicted, be depicted in our life, especially as we begin a new year, a very visible transformation. There must be a testimony from you and me that indicates that something has happened in our life that has changed us for the glory of God. So notice in verses 2 and 3, we see some things here. First of all, very quickly, notice in verses 2 and 3, one of the changes that happens that must happen in our life is is, is the fact that we have a compliance to the Bible. Now, what that means is, is that we obey God's word, that we understand obedience to God, as we talked about in our adult Bible class this morning, is an essential requirement of showing a visible transformation. Notice verses two and three with me, if you would. In fact, would you read that with me, please, just so we have some interaction. Let's read verses two and three together, would you please? By this we know... When we love God and for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. You see. The Bible tells us that one of the evidences that we are saved is our obedience to God. I'm so thankful for those young men today and the family, the families last week and the families scheduled for next week who are taking that step of obedience. They're not being coerced. They're not being compelled except by the Holy Spirit. That obedience is, is indicating that God is at work in our life. And God has given us His word where there's many commandments that, are, that, that provide boundaries for us and help us in our Christian life there. And so we see here... That with God has given us commandments that they're to be obeyed when I first got saved. I remember I didn't know anything about the Bible. I've shared this many times. But I remember as I received that, gate was given a little New Testament. And that night after I got saved, I stayed up a little bit late. And I started reading with Matthew chapter 1. And if you're familiar with Matthew chapter 1, the first 20 or so verses are deal with the genealogy. It says, so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. I'll be honest with you. I was thinking, what does begat have to do with me? I didn't understand that. And, and it didn't make sense to me. And I didn't understand old English. And I was struggling with that. But I said, you know, the man said to keep on reading it. And, I, and then I got to Matthew chapter 4. And I got to Matthew chapter 5 and I saw, man, God was starting to work in my heart and, and realized that, you know, God did something in my heart that I cannot explain and every one of you who've been there understand this. God created in my heart a desire for His Word. The Bible says we are to taste and to see that the Lord is good. We're, as a new Christian, we're to be like a newborn baby. We have several mothers who are expecting, pray for Mrs. Lucero Gonzalez and Mrs. Angelica Hernandez. They could be expecting to deliver their babies any time now. We're praying for safe and healthy pregnancies for them. My daughter Carissa is expecting. I get to be Grandfather, say amen to that. Amen. And uh, that's going to be a good thing there. And uh, she's going to expect to have her baby. And I'm going to have I'm going to showcase the baby on the platform. Amen. that will be a good thing. Amen. And don't you don't you don't you boo me when I do that. Amen. And uh, it doesn't mean I don't love the other babies. It just means I love mine more. Amen. So, you know, that's all it means. Well, you can come up when I invite you sometimes there too, amen. you know, OK. But I'm telling you, God was working my heart. Then I got introduced to a, a young man, another young man who was burdened for helping me to grow in the faith. And back in the day, some of you might remember the Navigators Ministry. And this is back in the day when the Navigators material was sound and good. And they had ten books that you went through. And uh, I started in book one and I got to book two and I, man, I, God was working my heart. And every Tuesday afternoon after school, I'd go down to Fruitville Avenue. And now I wouldn't recommend you do that now, but went down to Fruitville Avenue. In the Diamond District. And we went to what used to be the library there. I think it's a store there now. And I went there to the Fruitvale, Fruitvale Library. And I met my friend there. And we'd bring our Bibles. And we'd pull out our books. And we'd start going through it. And he explained as best he could. But I'll tell you what was, was helping me. The Holy Spirit was working my heart. Because when you get saved, the Holy Spirit becomes your teacher. And he came alongside of me and started helping me understand the Bible. Let me tell you something. I found out the more I read God's Word and the more I was reading it, I didn't have a problem with the commandments of God were. Yeah. He said his commandments are not grievous. And so we must understand this morning, you know, one of the visible transformations is a compliance or obedience to the Bible. Notice some things very quickly. First of all, we should keep the commandments of God because of the benefits. Hey, when you disciple someone, disciples, tell them the benefits. You know the benefits? Listen to what Deuteronomy 440 says. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command me this day, that it may, notice, go well with thee. Well, that doesn't sound like the commandments are difficult. And with thy children after thee, you expecting children, he says, not only are the commandments good for you, they're good for the next generation. And that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. Hey, Joshua 1, eight, Deuteronomy 4.40, that it would go well with thee and for thy children. Notice Joshua 1, eight. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do. That means to, to to obey, to observe, to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Notice, then thou shalt have good success. How many want good success? Oh, you guys don't sound like you want. How many want good success? Amen. Lose Winners want good success. Amen. If you don't want good success, you're kind of like, I just want to be a loser. No, don't you don't. Listen first John three twenty two. And whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things you are pleasing. So, hey listen, listen, it goes well with us. We get answers to prayer. We've got good success. I mean the benefits of keeping his commandments. But notice secondly the boundaries in keeping his commandments. In Proverbs 22, 28, Solomon said, Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have said. You know, the word of God is like an ancient landmark. Land back in Israel's time was to be passed down from generation to generation. And they said, you've got to be careful. Don't move those rocks. Those move those rocks would establish your boundaries. Boundaries are to keep you safe. Sometimes we look as young people at boundaries and we think the boundaries are, are against us. No, boundaries are to keep us safe. Boundaries are to keep us from getting into trouble there. There are boundaries from the word of God. Listen, Paul wrote this to the church to Philippi, Philippians 3.1. He said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me indeed is not grievous, but for you, notice, it is safe. Listen, he said, the reason why I wrote the book of Philippians is to keep you safe. What he's saying and going with my message this morning, I wrote this to give you boundaries to keep you safe within the realm of what's going on. Hey, look at the building right over. Good example. The building, notice there's a fence line around that building, right? All around that fence line, it's locked up and it says danger, danger, danger. Kind of like outer limits. Amen? Danger, 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 amen? And he says, don't go in. Why? That's a boundary. So you don't get hurt, amen? So you don't get hurt and sue the church. By the way, if you had to sue church, give the money back to church, amen? (laughs) Just just a thought there, amen, okay? It's to be safe. The benefits of the boundary. But notice the blessings. Look at verse 3. His commandments are not Grievous. I like when we were raising our children, my, my wife, and she even does this sometimes today when, you know, the kids don't agree with her. She'll say, now, you know, mommy would never say anything to hurt you. And they say, yeah, right. You know, but <laughs> but she's true. You know, everything I'm preaching this morning, God didn't give that to us to hurt us. They're not grievous. Oh. <laughs> Jesus wants me to, I've been washing my nets and it, He wants me to go out to the deep and drop my nets. Jesus, you don't understand. His commandments are not grievous. Oh, pastor said we, we should come to church Sunday evening. Hey, His commandments are not grievous. He it just to hurt us. Hey, you, 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 you know, you work at a work site, especially those of you who do more industrial type work, you have a safety manual, do you not? Why do you have a safety manual? It's not grievous. It's to keep you from losing a finger or two. Amen. Your hand or your head. Amen. One or the other. Amen. They're not grievous. Why do we have traffic laws? They're not grievous. Well, you might feel like they're grievous when you're late, but you know. Why do we have police? His commandments are not grievous. You see, this morning, there's the the matter of the fact that we must have a compliance to the Bible. Notice very quickly, number two. Notice there must be a compassion to the body. A vital transformation, of, listen, this transformation, this visible transformation is not only seen in our obedience to the commandments. A visible transformation is seen in our love for one another. Now, of all your goals, you probably said, if I asked everyone in this room, you probably did not put down as your goal, I'm going to be a more loving person in 2018. If anything, you probably made a list and started striking names out. Well, not, not this one, not this one. Hey, that's not what God wants us to do. There's the unspoken 11th commandment Jesus gave. And he said, a new commandment I give unto you. Notice verses 1 and 2. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And notice, and everyone that loveth him that begot, loveth him also has begot him. He's saying, listen, it's the no-brainer. We love God because we're born into his family. But because we love God, it should be in our heart that we love others who've been born into the family of God. Hey, listen, Thomas and Christopher... And the families last week, and the people before that, and the families next week. Listen, I, when I talk about extending the right, the right hand of fellowship, you know what I'm telling you? Love them. Come to church tonight and love one another. Shake hands say, good to see you. I'm glad you're in church. Is there anything I can do for you? Thank God this week as the Chan family has been toiling in, in agony and anxiety about um, Edna's son, Jamin, going into for surgery at a very complicated, difficult surgery. Thank God for all the people that have loved the Chan family and have prayed for him. And thank God that that was a complicated surgery, a successful surgery. And Lord willing, we think he's even coming home today. Praise God. You know what the family needed? They didn't need you to give them a bunch of lip and medical advice that you don't know anything about. They needed you just to say, I love you. and We're praying for you. By this, we know we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Back in the first century, if you notice Paul and James and Peter and John. One of the more difficult things they all had to write about and deal with were people conflicts in the churches. Because, you know what, we try to figure one another out. How many understand we all have different personalities, amen? I understand this morning that we're all different. We have a different we have a different persuasion, different thought about things. We have different opinions and things like that. We have different tastes and colors and things like that. And, uh, you know, we have certain biases that we develop over time. And sometimes if we're not very careful, we come to church and we let those biases become, cause us to become judgmental. And we look at something and we make judgmental thoughts about people. And here's what I want to tell you. The longer you're a Christian and the higher up you go in being a place of influence, the more likely you are judgmental. Who are we to judge? We must judge ourselves before we judge somebody else. And John's writing here says, listen, I've gotten the reports. I've heard all the things that have been said about the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to show that you're visibly transformed, you must show a compassion for the body. And I'm just saying this morning, you want to see revival? You want to see God transform this area? Let's love one another like we should. There's something else we see here. Notice not just love for one another, but notice where it must be a conformity in our behavior. Go to 1st John chapter 3 verses 2 and 3. And again, the whole book of First John deals with our relationships and deals with our love. And he says in chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has his hope in him, purify himself, even as he is pure. I wish I could say more about this. But you know what he's talking about there? He's talking about conformity to Jesus Christ. Do You understand what's going on? The world we live in is, is a pressurized world. And the pressure of the world is trying to get you and me to conform to be like the world... To think like the world, to act like the world, by the way, to drink like the world, to participate in the things of the world. It wants to conform us into its image and have us go in its direction. And the Bible tells us to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Say, look out for the cosmos, the, the pressures of the world. And so what we see here is that in conforming our behavior, here's what he's telling us. A visible transformation realizes my goal is not to impress people and my goal is not to try to be this, and try to be that. My goal is to become more like Jesus Christ. And he says about this hope that's in us in verse 3. Every man that has this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. Notice First John 3, 9. He says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Notice in First John 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write unto you, that ye sin not. 1 John five eighteen. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth him himself, and that wicked one touch him not. He's not saying we'll be sinless. He's saying when Jesus Christ is alive and working, a winning attitude, a winning transformation is, I want, to, I want to keep myself as far from sin as possible. Sin is always a problem. Sin is the battle we all have. You're battling with sin now. I'm battling with sin now. But listen, when we live for Christ... We're showing with this visible transformation shows a conformity in our behavior that we are more like Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something. Someone who sincerely comes to church, they want to be in church. And someone who sincerely reads their Bible, they want to read their Bible. And someone who sincerely tries to live for God, they're going to live for God. Why? Because they realize the target and the goal is Jesus Christ himself there. Now, can I ask you a question? What kind of visible transformation is in your life? Is there a compliance? obedience no obedience to the Bible? Is there a compassion for the body? Or are you just going to stay with your own little set of friends and have your little click and you can forget everybody else? Well, that person turns me off. Well, you probably turn them off too. Amen. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. If you read 1 John chapter 2, the first 10 verses, very convicting verses. He that saith he love his brother and hated him, he says he dwelleth in the darkness. Is there conformity in our behavior? Are we becoming more like Christ in our speech, and our life? I'm just saying this morning, there must be a visible transformation. There is the importance of vital trust. But as we close this morning, notice verses 4 and 5 of chapter 5. Winners have a vital trust, that's what believing is. Believing has results in a visible transformation, but notice in verses four and five, winners have a victorious triumph. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is a victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus, the Son of God? I like verse four. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Listen, if you are truly born again and saved, you overcame the world the day you got saved. You overcame the pressures of the world. You overcame the pull of the world. You can overcame all of those things today, because whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Believing in God, believing in Jesus Christ. Gives us a victorious triumph over the pressures we face as life. Notice as we close, there's the association with this. The winner is identified by his faith this morning. Is your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you saved? Would you be willing today to say, I realize that the pathway I should be on is believing on Christ to be my savior. He invites you this morning to have that association with him, not just distantly, but he wants you to be part of his family. Because over and over again, he talks about whosoever believeth in him is born of God. God wants you in his family. By the way, what a great family to be a part of. Amen. You talk about a royal family. God is the royal family. Amen. But there's also the advantage. Whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. There's the victory that overcometh the world. There's he that overcometh the world. Pastor Fong, what is it that a winner overcomes the world? Well, first of all, when you put your faith in Christ, you overcome the pollutions of the world. Our world's pretty wicked. A lot of bad stuff in the world. Secondly, you overcome the pressures of the world. How many understand this morning? You got into the job race, you got into more than a rat race, you got into the pressures of the world. Amen. It's a lot of pressures we're under. But more than all that, more than the pollution and more than the pressures, when, when you're in Jesus Christ, you overcome the perishing of this world. You know this world is going to pass away. It's going to go up in smoke. The Bible tells us that. The world passes away, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. This morning as I close, I want to say this to you. Faith or believing Christ gives you me the edge. The winning advantage over the world and its pressures. Be a winner, not a loser. Whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is born of God. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today and have your sins forgiven. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today and have a transformed life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today and be assured you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Listen this morning. Be a winner, not a loser. The starting point, accept Christ this morning by faith. I'm going to give an invitation. If you're not 100% sure you're saved, I'm going to invite you this morning. I'm going to show you how you can be saved this morning. I'm going to show you this morning how you can be certain that you're going to heaven. Okay? I want you to do that because God wants you to do that. Then secondly today, as Christians... Let's think about this. Is there this visible transformation? Obedience to the Bible. Love for the brethren. Becoming more like Christ. Is that evident in our lives? And let's be truthful with God just as he's truthful with us. Let's make that our goal for 2018. That as we believe, we become more like him. Now, Father, this morning, thank you today for the very good attention that the congregation has given to this passage of Scripture. And I'm thankful that encourages us to have a victorious Christian life of how we can know that we can be, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And Lord, there are good friends and people here today that perhaps have never accepted Christ by faith, who may be the Lord today, you've, you've touched their hearts about believing on Christ, whereas the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. In a moment here, we want to give a simple loving invitation. That whoever would believe on Christ today can be saved. Now please listen this morning. Your heads are bowed and eyes closed. God loves you. He invites you this morning to come to Him. To receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. To receive is to believe. And to believe is to receive. He's the free gift of God. He's the gift of eternal life. He's the Savior of the world, and he can be your personal savior. And very simply, faith and believing Jesus Christ is confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believing in your heart God is raised from the dead. Now, right where you're seated, because all of us are private people, right where you're seated, today can become your spiritual birthday. Today, you can have your sins forgiven. Today, you can be certain, having Jerome. Listen, being 95% assured is not enough. You need to be 100% sure. And we want to help you today because according to the Bible, whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So in a moment, I'm going to invite you right where you're at. You can pray what we call the sinner's prayer and ask Christ to be your Savior. Right where you're seated, God's touched your heart. Would you pray this prayer along with me right where you're at and ask Christ? But you need to mean it. You have to be sincere in your heart and what you're going to say. You can pray this prayer and ask Jesus Christ to save you. Pray this prayer, would you please? If you're not saved today, Heavenly Father, I confess today I am a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe that your son Jesus died for my sins and rose again from the dead. I take Jesus now to be my Savior to wash away my sins. To give me the gift of eternal life. And to make me a son of God. Thank you today for saving me, Jesus. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. How many of you this morning would say by the raising of your right hand, Pastor Fung, I want you to know, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I prayed that prayer many years ago and asked Christ to save me. And you'd raise your hand and say, I know that I'm saved. How many would raise your hand and say, I know I'm saved. Well, God bless you. Now your hand, if you put your hands down, how many would say this morning, Pastor Fong, that prayer you just led us in praying, I prayed that prayer just now and asked Jesus to save me. Anyone like that? You'd say, I just prayed that prayer and asked Christ to save me. Just now, I prayed and asked Jesus Christ and in my heart. You'd raise your hand, your right hand, say, Pastor, I want you to know I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Anyone like that? Sir, ma'am, God bless you. Who else today? Who else today would raise your hand and say, I prayed and asked Christ to be my Savior? God bless you. Who else today? Hands are going up. Who else today would say, Pastor, I'm not ashamed to let people know I prayed and asked Jesus today to be my Savior. Who else this morning? Who else this morning? I'll wait just a moment. Pastor, I prayed. I followed you in prayer. I prayed that prayer and asked Christ to save me this morning. Christian friend, in your heart of hearts, is there a visible transformation that you've been born in the family of God? Have you started the year being obedient to the Bible? Do you have a grudge in your heart? Division, strife with others. There needs to be love among the brethren today. Are you becoming more like Jesus? Do you desire to become more like Jesus? I invite you today. Would you do that this morning? Christian, you ought to make your way here. and Be transparent before God just as He's transparent to us. His commandments are not grievous. They're not hurtful. I invite you today to come. We give the invitation. Don't delay. You step out and be an encouragement to someone else. You step out today and be an example today of someone who has a visible transformation. Father, today, thank you, Lord, for this loving congregation, how they've listened carefully to your word. And I do pray this morning that the Spirit of God, we would obey him and follow him today. And realizing today, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Thank you, Lord, this morning for what has been said. We ask now that you'd use the invitation to bring those without Christ to a saving knowledge of him. And others of us today to say, you know what, I want to take that step of obedience. I want, I want to obey the book I want to love the brethren. I want to be changed in my life. Or maybe for some today, who have been saved but have never gotten baptized. That they obey God and just saying, you know what? As part of the next anniversary, I want to get saved. I want to get baptized and represent I'm obedient to the Lord. God, I pray for obedience to sweep our room this morning that we'll do the right thing. We pray for all these things now, Lord of you, in Jesus' name. Would you stand, please, this morning? Brother Vaughn's going to sing. We're going to sing Tuesday. I am going to invite you to come. Would you come today? Come. We have a loving Savior. Invite you to come. Would you come today? Come find your way this morning. Our altar workers love to pray with you and help you. Come this morning. Please come. Would you come today? The Lord's speaking. Christian, pray. Christian, come together together as family members. You need to come today. A visible transformation. Does your life show that you're changed? Is there a grudge in your heart? There's something keeping from having sweet fellowship. Surrender it at the cross. Let's let God have control. Let's be changed in life. Not we can change ourselves, but the Lord would change us completely. Believe today that Christ died for your sins and you can be saved today. We invite you to come. Come this morning. Don't delay. Father, this morning, thank you for loving us. And thank you that you loved us before we could first love you. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for a Savior, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. And now this morning, as you've spoken and the Lord has worked in hearts, we pray for decisions that will glorify and please you today. We pray for those, Lord, who are contemplating membership and baptism, and, Lord, maybe an area of their Christian life they're struggling in. May, Lord, you have your way today. And thank you today for helping us understand the commandments of God are not grievous. And the first command we must obey is to receive Jesus Christ today as our Savior. In a moment, we'll be going our separate ways for lunch and taking some time to get rest this afternoon and errands. And we pray, Lord, you get our hearts ready and prepared for tonight's evening service. And in that service tonight, that, Lord, you do another great work in our hearts. And we'll thank you for this now, Lord. All these things we pray for and thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen.